Hey there, listener. Thank you for pressing play. This week on the Jock and Nerd podcast, we remember and celebrate the life of a legendary icon that created everything I love, the father of Marvel Comics, Stan the Man Lee. Plus, is the success of Venom going to make it harder for Disney to get Spider-Man back? You're going to get our thoughts on the Detective Pikachu trailer, Aquaman screening early for Amazon Prime members, news from the nation, and a whole bunch more, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, November 15th, 2018. Nuff said, true believer. Check. Check one. All right. This is really fans out there. Let's give it up. Jock and Nerd. Hello, listener, what's up? Thanks for joining us this week and welcome to the Jock and Nerd podcast where we bring you our jock and nerd brand of comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and nerd. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. And that felty over there is Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? Excalibur. No, that's not the saying. Oh, it's the wrong no, thing. You're close. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, it's a sad week, everyone. Of course, we will be, you've seen the title of the show, we're going to be Celebrating, remembering the life of a comic legend, icon, myth maker, the guy who's created everything, Stanley, who passed away. For the new listener, I want to mention, check out our website and the show notes for this episode, jogginner.com slash 248, where there'll be lots of links. There was a lot of great articles about him this week. There'll be links to videos. A lot of good um, artist tributes. A lot too. of good artist tributes. I don't know if you saw those. Uh, yeah, yeah I saw a couple of those from... Uh, comic book artists and and uh, and like internet artists like Boss Logic, and then you'll be there'll be links on how to get in touch with the show and how to subscribe to the show because we're everywhere. You can listen to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are. That's where we are. Uh, so yeah, let's get on with it, fellas. The Jock, Jock and Nerd Podcast. It's weird. It's the first show in the post Stan Lee world. We are Stan Lee-less. Uh, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you heard earlier this week, uh, Stan Lee passes away at age 95, something that every geek and nerd was uh, dreading that we knew. It's you know, it's not shocking. We knew it was coming. It's just a matter Especially of- Especially this year, yeah. It, yes, yes. This past year, the most tumultuous year in his, in his life, personally, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit, but- Holy God, like this is huge. So, you know, the, the outpouring of. Uh, Where were you when you heard? That's the first thing. I oh, that's know. a good question. You know what's funny is Anthony texted me, Facebook messaged me first at work. I was upstairs. And Anthony, you were the one. I look at my phone and you guys said, Stanley is dead. Oh, shit. And that's how the news was broken for me. Anthony, how did you find out? I was on Instagram and I was just happened to check Instagram and someone posted RIP Stan Lee with like a picture of him like, oh shit. So I immediately Googled it and I was like, oh, he's, he is gone. Let me let my, uh, all my friends know that would know who Stan Lee is. 
I'm, you know, I'm ve- Veterans Day observed, which is kind of fitting because he was a World War II veteran. Rugs, yeah. uh, what? Ha- how was your experience? What? How did you find? Well, it? I was in the basement as usual, of course. Going and the there garbage. was a knock at the door. Oh shit! And I was like, oh, my Amazon package. <laughs> and it was just a random kid on the street that knew that I like comic books. And he was like, yo, Stan Lee's dead. Oh, shit. And I was like, what? And I'm like, how did I not know this? I was just on my phone. Wow, you were told by a newsie from the 30s? Yeah, uh, but like it was that thing where everyone was came up to me. They're like, I got to tell Imran this news. Like, yeah, they, the first thing when people heard this, they came over. They're like, oh, my God, did you hear? And I was like, yeah. Did people call you for like uh, or, or talk to you for your like uh, reaction? Like people were calling me and they were like, wow. hey, Rugs, what do you think of this? Like, how do you make how are you feeling right now? Well, look, let's start there because we, you've seen everyone's, you know, the, the, the cast of the MCU, all the artists, you've read all these outpouring of love for this man. Everyone loved him. And I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what did Stan Lee mean to you, Rugs? Why don't you start? Me? Yeah. Oh, OK. Um, well, basically, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I always thought I was going to be the last one. But anyway. I'm flipping um, it up. I'm okay, keeping yeah, me on your it, toes. You're, you're keeping me on my toe. Tippy toes. Yes, on my camel one, toe. Yes, your camel. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch Saturday morning TV. I uh, got into Spider-Man, as, as you know, from action figures and toys and stuff. I used to get, I got toys before I could read, right? Yep, yep. And then cartoons before I could read. And then I could eventually graduate the comic book. So... My uh, introduction was through the Spider-Man, those Mego toys, and then all of a sudden, uh, the the TV show in the seventies, and there was that first show with uh, called Spider-Man, um, not the Spider-Man, Spider-Man, the one from the seventies, but the other one where Stan Lee actually his voice was on the cartoon, right? And he's like, "Hey, true believers, this is Stan Lee," and blah blah blah, and I was. And I was cool and all, and I was like, oh, that's up, dude. Before Amazing uh, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. Yeah, this was just called Spider-Man. Or as Stanley would say, Spider-Man. <laughs> anyway, so um, then when I read comic books, finally got comic books that I could read, then I would read Stan Soapbox. I was like, this is the fucking guy from the TV who introduced Spider-Man. Like, oh, he created Spider-Man? I didn't even know that. Yeah. And it just, the mystique kept growing and growing. And then... uh. Eventually, I got to the point where people started like saying, "Oh, this motherfucker like created everything," and I was like, "He did," and I was like, "He did he draw it?" Because I thought drawing it was like the ultimate thing. I had no respect for writers. Right. I thought like people who drew the comics actually made the comics. Yeah. The writers are just a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Like who cares who writes it? It's like you're drawing Spider Man punching a guy. Like yeah. that, that's the you're you're doing it. So then when I got when I started to get respect for like writing. And I realized, oh, he had to create, he had to collaborate and create these things. Um, I had a whole, this whole, like, oh, I want to be him. Yeah. That's what I want to be. I want to be Stanley Because I, I used to, like, think that the the only big creator in the world was Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that this guy was probably as as um, prolific and Absolutely. creative. Yep, yep. And, and so, like, he was just always a hero of mine. Ever since I could put those two facts together about him. And uh, as I got older, of course, I investigate more and learn about Jack Kirby and, and 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 Steve Ditko and all the basically how he got into the whole thing. So it it, it did take away from the mystique a little bit because it wasn't all him. But I still think that he's such an important figure and none of this would have happened without him. Absolutely. I mean, so yeah, I have nothing but respect for the guy. I think he's always um, exuded 
uh, altruistically. Like he's never like seemed like an evil dude or yeah. a shifty dude, even yeah. though a lot of people try and paint him that way. Yeah. Like Bob Kane, when that someone told me that is a when someone dude. told me he was a shifty fucker, yeah. I was like, I, I could tell because he acts like an he acts like an ass. Yes, and if you watch that and documentary and find out what he does to Bill Finger, that's a shitty shifty dude for real. And Stanley is more of a salesman, like, yes. and he, but he doesn't seem as slimy. Right, he's a promoter. He's yeah. A, yeah, that and that was like what not just creating these characters, but promoting the brand, yeah. becoming who he is. Was, I'm sure he's done some dirt, but like hasn't everyone? Yeah, like, nobody's, nobody's perfect. perfect. Right. Uh, yeah, Anthony, when did were you first aware of uh, Mr. Stanley? Huh. When was I first aware? Well, let, let me answer it like this. Yeah. So, no, Stanley, what, 95 years old? Yeah. I mean, everyone knew he was, you know, eventually he was going to pass. So it wasn't like this, like, shocking thing. So, like, you know, when it's not shocking, you know, you're not really, like, as, I wouldn't say, like, emotionally distraught or saddened when it happens. So, like, I find out he dies or whatever. I'm like, oh, you know, that, it sucks. And then the more it starts to sink in, I'm like, man, like, this guy was a fucking icon. Yeah. Like, this guy, like, is up there with, like, Disney and, like, Absolutely. all, you know, all, like, all the great, right, I don't know, Aesop's fables, well, you know, any, who, what, what other great, Mark, great, Mark Twain. Right, yeah, like, all these, bit, yeah. you know, like, all the great creators. J.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis. Sure, like, you know. and he's, he might be up there, like, one, two with Disney. Like Absolutely, Disney. he's up there with Disney. You know, so, like, I'm like, man, that's fucking, like, this guy was, like, he, you almost took for granted that he was always going to be around. So like, I was like, and then I started seeing like all the tributes and the one that got me was, was like the one with Spider-Man with his mask hanging on the tree. And he's like on the yeah. grave of Stanley, like yeah. holding his face. I'm like, yeah. damn man. Yeah. Like this is kind of emotional. Like he's, he's gone. Like the, yeah. even, even though he's old and like it probably was his time and he's lived a, probably a fantastic life. I was like, still man, that's like, this is kind of strange. Like he's, he's actually gone. Um, but as far as like first, knowledge of stanley i mean i don't really know i mean i always was i as a kid i always was aware of um marvel you know through the tv shows the x-men tv show spider-man tv show you know and then i'd go to the store and at the supermarket you'd see the comics like lined up towards like the end ends of the 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 um what you would call them hallways i don't even know what you call it the the aisles the aisles the aisle, uh, yeah, yeah. you'd always see like the comics there i was like oh like the all these characters Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, X-Men, you know, they're all inter kind of interchangeable for me, yeah. but they're all like, you remember all of them. And then you, you know, you find out later on that like you, you look at the back pages and there's this guy on the back, like writing little things on there and I'm talking you know, to you. Find, yeah. The, you find out, uh, yeah. Oh, that's the guy that supposedly created all this. And then as you get older, you realize, Oh, like, as it get a teenager? Oh, Stan Lee is the guy that created all this. So, I mean, it wasn't probably till like I was 10 or 12, you know, 10 to 12 when I actually knew who Stan Lee was. And even then, you don't really like put any value towards the guy. You're just like, well, like, whatever. Like, this is I don't really I don't care. He's not the he's not the comic, right? And then when you get older, and like in your teens, and then all that, you're like, oh man, this is that's you know really cool that he created all this, um, and uh, like the amount of imagination this person had, and it's like, wow, that's really that's unbelievable. I can't fucking imagine all this shit. Anything the things I imagine are like fucking girls with their tops off. <laughs> 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 like yeah or, or like some some like nonsensical character like i was like that doesn't fucking mean anything or like cockroach man it's like yeah. what like why can't i think of thing like things like this um so yeah i mean you, you just you go gain that respect and then as i got back into comics then i was yeah. you know 
then I, I realized even more, you know, how important this figure was. And you see him in all the fucking movies and, you know, and, and every movie he's in, it's now like the running gag. You're going to see Stan Lee and everyone knows who he is. And he's just become this pop culture icon. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, now that he's away and all that, you know, kind of reflect on this. I mean, this, sh- the show wouldn't be what it is without him. I mean, yeah. he didn't directly create it, but he created the content that we spend about 60 to 70% of our show talking about. Uh, you know, we don't we don't talk about DC. You know, this is DC because of its own doing. We're but, Marvel I mean, this heavy. Is more of a, this is a Marvel heavy yeah. show, and 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 the reason why we're doing this is because well, he created most of the characters we're talking about. So it's in in reflection and thinking about us. It, it's like, damn man, like I owe a lot of my fucking happiness in my life to this man. Yep, absolutely. Wow, that's that's pretty deep. Absolutely no, and but that's that's where I was trying to get you to go because it. That his influence, his impact is so. When you stop and think about all the things he did, uh, this guy is larger than life. And it was someone who you all forgot that he was a real person. You thought he became this icon, this character. It kind of felt like he would live forever. Look, I've you know, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, just like Rugs. I got in from toys to cartoons to comics. I remember having a Spider-Man garbage can when I was very little. Spider-Man toothbrush holder on the wall of my bathroom. When Spider-Man I, light switch. Spider-Man light switch, yes. And all the toys, the toys from the 70s and right. the 80s. I, it was just there. and There was something about the mask and the eyes. Uh, and I'm surrounded by Spider-Man images in my studio to this day. Like this guy molded, created stuff that molded my childhood that gave a kid who had vitiligo and was picked on uh, a place to escape and relate in, in a character like Peter Parker, who was kind of going through the same thing and you could fantasize, but then at the same time, dropping morals like great with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's so, like, I mean, I was talking about how I got wind of Stanley, but if I'm talking about what Stanley means to me, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, and, I took it right there over there. Real yeah, <laughs> I was just talking about like how what how I found out about him and how he came into my life. But I mean, if we're talking about the magnitude of like how much he's affected me, I didn't really realize so much that he had to do with it. Um, I felt like oh, Spider Man was just just belonged to the world. I didn't yeah. realize it was. It, the thing is, it's like. He was batting like a thousand. Yes. Right? Like this motherfucker, like <laughs> not just one character that like hit, like all of these characters hit and you could say, oh, it was Jack Kirby. But like Jack Kirby was doing shit way before Stan Lee was involved. Stan Lee used to get him his coffee, you know, like so like he had all this time to before Stan Lee got involved to like make this iconic thing and never did. I think that without he was kind of like a catalyst that brought some kind of writing knowledge or some kind of something some he had a, a vision of something that was able to guide this to be what it is i mean the uh spider-man is as important to me as religion growing up absolutely all right in fact it made more sense than religion to yeah. me yeah because spider-man or peter parker would always do the right thing no matter how bad it fucked him up he he would always put other people first because of the guilt that he had of of not doing the right thing and, and seeing the effects of that. And that's like the big I mean, it's a mind fuck because I mean became a paranoid person because of that. <laughs> but that's that's a proof of how much I got affected by it because 
I would think, okay, I can't fucking dick this person over because yep. this is going to happen. It's teaching you morals. It's interesting you said it's your religion because, uh, you know, religion teaches us morals growing up. But my thing always growing up was like, do we really need organized religion to teach us morals? What Would we have learned this anyway? Is there another way to learn this? And what Stan Lee did by setting... Uh, his stories in the modern day world by making the characters human and flawed by talking about social issues that affected everyone because we're all living here together. He taught you f- philosophy and moralistic views, but in a way that wasn't like religious over your head, heavy handed. Uh, you learned, you know, what True North is reading Captain America, how to always do the right thing no matter what. And uh, it, it's it, it's better than religion because here's where, here's the decent morals we need to learn and it's way more entertaining than Bible stories sometimes. Although some of those stories are also <laughs> I think crazy. It, it, it's all a bunch of hoo-ha anyway. But like, yeah, I mean, stories is stories. Just like Greek mythology, he created our modern day mythology. I want to tell the listener, uh, if you want to let us know what Stanley meant to you, definitely join our Facebook group. Uh, it's called the Jock and Nerd Nation. People have been sharing their favorite cameos and photos, and the conversation from the show continues there. It's been really great to see all your guys' posts about Stan Lee. Uh, it's a closed group just for you, and we are still accepting roast audio for our 250th episode. It's two weeks away. Uh, but uh, get in there, dude. Get, get in there, mix it up, make fun of us, and get into the nation, and uh, we'll all hang out. The conversation will continue. Uh, I want to continue. Let's give a little bit of details on Stanley's life because whoever ends up with the rights to this is the this story is quite amazing. Mark Marin, I hope that you're uh, by your phone. Uh, see, I want to go Brian Cranston because I think he's a better actor than Marin. Marin can just kind of play Marin, but Stanley's kind of like Marin. Oh, you want Cranston for Stanley? I think Cranston would be an amazing. Oh, he Stanley. would rock that shit out of that. Holy oh, wow, shit that imagine. is such a yeah. good pull. Wow. Uh, Stan, look, he looks just like him. Stanley born Stanley Martin Lieber. In 1922 in New York City. So he starts working at Timely Comics when he's just 19 years old. This is what Marvel was called before. And like you said, Ruggs, he was fetching coffee for Jack Kirby in the beginning. Right. Uh, makes his comics debut in 1941, writing some text filler for an issue of Captain America. Then he serves in the military. Like, this is part of his life I don't think a lot of people know. And if you look up pictures of him at this time, he looked completely different. This is his first lifetime. He lived like two lifetimes. He's clean cut, doesn't have a beard. In the Army, he didn't see combat, but he was put into the training film division, given the classification of playwright, and he directed training films like that. Well, he came up with VD, not me. Oh, really? That, that was his big thing. That was the thing. slogan? Yeah, he actually drew this cartoon. Like, he drew a little bit. Because when he worked for uh, uh, in the comics, the Timely Comics, they they had him like be like the butt boy. So like any job that nobody wanted to do, he right. would do. So he would ink stuff. He yep. would do all kinds of anything, stuff. right? Lettering, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then uh, when he was in the uh, army, he came up with this slogan called V said that said VD, not me. To to pamphlets that were would be handed out so the soldiers wouldn't get VD. <laughs> and he fantastic. drew a little cartoon of a little soldier boy saying VD not me. Do you me. know how many fucking army dicks Stan saved? Oh, shit. <laughs> the man was a hero before he did anything. Exactly. And then there's the famous story. If you listen to the Business Wars Marvel versus DC series, it's pretty great. And I learned extra stuff. So like the two stories I heard combined kind of go like this. DC comes out with the Justice League in 1960. Martin Goodman, who was Stan's uncle and editor at Time of Marvel, comes to Stan. He's like, I want you to just rip off the Justice League. We need a superhero team. Just do it. And Stan, that day, was going to go in to tell him that he's done. 
writing comics. He had been toiling in like romance, Western comics for the last uh, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Didn't want to do it anymore. He's like, I can't do this. At which point Martin Goodman's like, make a team. So he goes back home and Joan, his wife, who so many decisions made by Joan have shaped what he is. Like it would have went off completely different if it wasn't for her. She tells Stan, make one last thing you want to do, Stan. It's fine. You can quit, but make one last thing. So he goes back to Goodman. He goes, I'll make you a team, but I want to do it my way. He comes back with the family, Fantastic Four in 1961. And that literally changes the game right there for modern superhero comics. Now we talked about his output. He created all of his characters, some 200 characters between the years 1961 and 1972. Think about that. Think about that. And everything, it's 11 years, that's one, it. One after another after another, everything he came out with was a hit. Everything right. sold. Uh, and in 1972, he stops writing monthly. So for uh, the controversy of him doing, not giving the writing credit to the artist, that's there. But he creates this Marvel method, which is really the only way one man between in those 10 years was writing, art directing, editing 10 books a month. You know, he would give the artist a paragraph of what the issue is. The artist would just make up what it is. He would come back and fill in the word balloons. Yeah. 10 books a month this way for like 10, 11 years. That's crazy. Right. That, he, he, he did leave a lot in the hands of the artist. And yes. He, and, yes, he did. And But the thing is that Stanley doesn't like, like Bob Kane, like deny that Bill Finger did anything. Right. He always says that they he had help. Like yes. If you see any interview um, in the recent like twenty years, yep, yep. Like he's all, maybe maybe in the seventies he didn't say shit. Yeah, maybe he was still like you know in, in the middle of uh, of the battle with them and yeah. kind of like fighting with them they and didn't want to give them the satisfaction. Yeah, but I think later on, he especially in the past twenty years, he's given credit in, in every turn to those guys. And so it's not like he's denying their existence and didn't do anything. In fact, so. the whole idea of giving the artist credit, creator credits in a comic book, you know, everybody's seen it. Everyone's used to it. Here's the letterer. Here's the inker. Here's the writer. Here's the editor. Stanley was the first one to do that. And soon everyone else started doing that. He, right. he And so he's co-creator of these characters. But I think another huge yeah, I mean, thing. You got to, before you go into yeah. that, I mean, you got to. Just give props to the fact that every character you can think of in yes, Marvel had to be drawn. That is no, not not that is that he created. Yes, <laughs> like literally, like anybody that's popular right now. Yep. Think back, look back, and you'll be and you'll see that he created. And that even character. if he didn't technically create it, he still had the wherewithal to put it under his umbrella and promote the shit out of it, like he did create it. Right. And he also would. He also was the the one. He might not have been like putting filling in all the the details, but he was the one that put the concept. Of, okay, like I want to do a a family. Yeah, like, yeah. A fa- real family issues under the guise of superhero comics. Fantastic Four. I want to do a teenage a coming into your own as a teenager. Spider Man. Yep. Anger issues. Hulk. Yep. Let's do with uh. Let's do with someone super nerdy. Iron yep. Man. Racism let's, and puberty X-Men. is your X Men. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like all yeah. of this stuff. Like he just tied it to everything that was going on. You know the. Bl- the uh, Black Panther, yeah. the, the movement that the was going on. The height of the civil there. rights movement, yeah. he creates Black Panther. Unbelievable. But the thing about uh, a couple of things that you kind of glossed over, I want to just touch on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so Stan Lee, he was actually, a, he wanted to be a writer. Yeah. And he actually got his shit into the newspaper a couple, to won some contests. So he did have some, he had writing talent. Yes. All right. So he had that mind. Um. So that's number one. He just didn't just like end up at, I mean, some people were trying to say that, well, 
He did end up at, at Timely because he hit, was related to the guy who... who but yeah, but he always wanted to be a storyteller yeah. uh, and a writer. Yeah. yeah. So he did get in there through trying to because people try and paint Stan Lee like all of these haters. Because I when it, when it, the minute that he died, I said, okay, T minus twenty minutes before someone starts now besmirching him. And, Jeez, there's and, haters. Yeah. Yeah, and just wow. start like saying that he was a piece of That's shit. And respect, I, I've seen people you do that. Skeezy motherfuckers. No, <laughs> but look, there are some legitimate arguments. I'm not saying that there aren't, but. I mean, they're like, they're trying to say nepotism. He was only successful because he was nepotism and his, his uncle worked there or his uncle got them the job, blah, blah, blah. And that's why Jack Kirby didn't like him. But I mean, so he was and he was doing superhero shit before superheroes went out of style. Yeah. in the golden age. So he w- wrote uh, these books called the the all winners. Yeah. You where it was like the this... first superhero team. Yeah. I'll put this in the show notes. Yeah, he created like superheroes before that. It didn't hit. It's technically Marvel's first superhero team from 1941. And it was timely. Yeah. It was timely. And it was Captain America, Human Torch, Submariner. And this character, the Destroyer, who you said that's his first comic book creation. Well, that's what he said. That's what I'm he not said. Sure. Okay. I'm just taking him at his word from an yeah. interview that he said. And they were called but, uh, the All Winners Squad. Yeah, the All Winners. <laughs> but like, so, I mean, there was an Avengers before there was an Avengers. Absolutely. Even. Yeah. But that, it wasn't popular then. So what I'm saying is even an Avengers didn't work because it wasn't like he didn't create it all. Like Captain America, Human Torch were all created by other people. Right. So Joe Fantastic Simon. Four, though. Yeah does take off yeah and then spider-man does take off and that's like the the foundation and then they could they start slapping on the avengers and all this other stuff and it's just non-stop hits i mean so, yeah i you know all I wanna, of, let me comment too yeah let's say like you know he got it because of nepotism or if if that was the case or you know whatever he might have known somebody he still got to create the things that then the public will like you no know hard that is yeah, he's an think about all yes. think about the countless millions of characters that people have created that have not resonated with people for this man like i said and he, he's created literally hundreds when he, and he created spider-man when he was 40 this is like the second part of his life and for this man to create hundreds of characters that have been around for 60 years that'll be around forever and then to see them realized in a 16 billion dollar franchise on the big screen and to be in the movies to be regarded as a legend while you're alive that is so rare uh to happen and he created the stuff that is Modern yeah, day, created, yes, modern the, day the modern, culture. Well, and not only that, I'm saying modern. Like these is this is the modern day like gods, like the titans. Yes, of, of, modern day mythology. Of, yeah, mythology. So, despite the nepotism and all that, I just think like Stanley. Like, can you imagine a world I mean, without he, Marvel? He had, he had obstacles. He had the Comics Code Authority. Yeah, he, he had he, things. But he fucking stood up to them. But he was always meant to happen. Like, we'll never have another Stanley. But this uh, this person just like like this death hit me big. Like. Like Prince and Michael Jackson, although those hit me a little bit harder because they were so young and it was like, yeah, it came out yeah. of nowhere. But this is just as big, dude. This I mean, is just as huge. He is just as he is a name that will, I mean, live on forever. That everyone knows. And, and, yeah. and even and even the thing is like, even if like, like let's say you, you forget the names, yeah, like like his creations will live on forever. Yeah. And then you'll and then people, you know, someone will ask, well, who 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 invented that guy? Who made him? Oh, it's Stan Lee. Like, well, he's gonna be around. They're going to be around, but they won't be the way Stan Lee made them. No. Unfortunately, they're already changing a lot of things about the heroes. Like, Spider-Man is no longer the guy that Stan Lee created. And I think that even he admits that a few times. He said that publicly, that it's their character now, and they're doing it. And and, and that's the thing, that uh, Marvel actually, you know, 
got rid of Stanley for a few years. Yep. And yep. then they ended up taking him back. Uh, I think he sued them and shit. So like, like there was they, a lot of stuff that came out. Imagine that didn't know you how to start run a, a company like Marvel, and then you're gone. <laughs> yeah. You created everything. You create. You you create everything that that it's built on, and then they just force you out. It makes you want to be the Green Goblin and come back and blow everybody up with pumpkin bombs. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a yeah. lot of stuff that came out that he wasn't very good at running business itself. Yeah, that jo- might be true. Joan, but still. You know, Joan had the business sense from the stories I hear. Like she always made the uh, was in his ear to make the better decisions. And as we saw in the last year, once she after she died. People are playing the Game of Thrones of Stan Lee. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this. You know, so that's not that, that, that's nothing. His, it's, the it's, last year of his life is not doesn't define him at no, all. No, and I hope it doesn't like tarnish. His, it doesn't. His, it doesn't. His thing. It shouldn't. It but, doesn't. But it, 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 it absolutely doesn't. I like because part of me had was I had a great sense of relief that he did pass because of what he was going through. I mean, who, who knows what really, I mean, who knows how much of that was really affecting him? I mean, there's nobody in his corner. Anyways, look, we can't talk. We can't do a show about Stan Lee without listening to a little bit of the man's voice, his <laughs> iconic voice. The first time I heard Stan Lee was uh, the amazing Spider-Man and his amazing friends uh, where, where he would narrate. He was the narrator. And I remember that was what I heard him first and then uh, started reading comic books and found out. But here's a great example of another great thing he did. You know, we said he's part Walt Disney, part Mark, Mark Twain. And part P.T. Barnum, a showman, an entertainer, the guy who knew his audience and his brand, he was huge in get connecting the readers with the creators. He would post photos of the bullpen, the artists, the letters, the people the, uh, in the comic book, and his stand soapbox monthly, you could read his words. So uh, back in the 60s, you could sign up for their Merry Marvel Marching Society fan club. And for $1, you would receive a membership card, stickers, and you would get this little vinyl record that had a little show featuring Stan, Jack Kirby, all the 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 people at Marvel, kind of like a very early podcast. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play 30 seconds of this. All right, so relax. But it's uh, it's very unique. It's very fun. It just shows how much he loved his fans and his audience, and uh, he knew how to connect with them. Okay, out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. You've probably never heard a record like this before because no one would be nutty enough to make one with a bunch of offbeat artists, so anything is liable to happen. Hey, who made you a disc, Jackie Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby, say a few words to the fans, Jackson. Okay, a few words. Look, pal, I'll take care of the humor around here. You, you've been using the same gags over and over for years. Well, you can't accuse me of being fickle, can you? By the way, Jack... The readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a (laughs) bald-headed. That's so much fun. Imagine getting that as a kid (laughs) and you're like a fan of these comics. Cantankerous. And you get to hear like what a great voice. (laughs) He like tried to launch a show in 1968. There was a pilot for a TV show that never happened. I mean, let me add on to that, like his clips and all that stuff. Like even his cameos and films, like, He's a great creator, yes. He's a great promoter, but he's also just super charismatic. Yeah. You know, like him on him on the screen, it was always like a novelty, but he I mean, he could definitely I wouldn't say he could like act and, you know, hold a hold his own in terms of an entire movie, but when he was on the screen, you were left for like, oh, that guy has a presence. He's de- he's not like fucking reading his lines like a fucking asshole. Yeah. He's actually delivering whatever you need from him. I mean, he he was just overall like a larger than life personality. And it was when just, you've been to as many cons as I have, yeah. and you've talked to actual creators, and they're yeah. like completely not. They suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not charismatic at all, and they're kind of like a disappointment. 
Um, Stanley. I mean, th- this dude made his own like lingo. Yep. Right. True believer. Excelsior. Excelsior. Nuff said. Yes. Like all of that stuff. Like he's coining phrases. I mean, he's 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 a, he's a salesman. He's a a promoter. He does stuff like that that makes you remember him and like his own language almost. So it's great. He was the type of guy that I think I feel like, and I never met him personally. I feel like if you met the guy. And you were like, who is the guy that created Spider-Man, Hulk, you know, Fantastic Four Avengers? And then you met him, you wouldn't be disappointed with what right. you saw. You're like, oh. like you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get some withdrawn dude that was in his own, into his own self and like wasn't all that social. You were getting a guy that was like, wow, this is the guy that could actually carry that mantle. Right. Just, not lo- disappointed. just super friendly, loved his fans, always uh, eager to talk to everyone. I never got to meet him or take a photo. I wish I did. Maybe like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, in the San Diego Comic Con, my uh, w- one of the guys in our group got to meet him. There was like yeah. a, a raffle, and he, yeah. he got to meet him. So oh, he was cool. yeah, really cool. Wow, that's awesome. That was like seven years ago. So he's eighty-eight back then. <laughs> he's eighty-eight. <laughs> right, eighty-eight. Jesus, yeah, right? he's, that's a, so. Let's talk about some of uh, your guys' favorite cameos. Uh, Mallrats is my favorite. Well, in oh. Mallrats, he was already seventy-two. Yeah. And fucking Mallrats, he looked great. That's one of my favorite cameos, Anthony. Uh, shout out some others. I made a whole list of my favorites. And there's the two. Of course, you have a fucking list. Uh, the two that come to mind for me, I mean, I'm going to go back to the Marvel films, but sure. um, him with Thor and Avengers Ave Joel trying, going, come on, give me some of that. I, That's you know, a great I, one. I was on the beaches or whatever. Yeah. And then he gets he gets wasted off the uh, like, Thor's. And it, yeah, he goes, Excelsior. He drinks Asgardian booze. It's yeah. great. Yeah. That one, and then when he's like in uh, Civil War, he's knocking on the window. He's like, "Are you? Uh, is there a Tony <laughs> oh, Stank?" Yeah, was like, "Yes, that's Tony and, Stank." And then the last one for me is the fact that Marvel, in a way, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, tied him into the yes. Watchers, and I was like, yes. "That's fucking brilliant." He was telling he, stories of he was the telling other the cameos stories to the Watchers about yeah other cameos in other films. So it was basically like. He was sent down as a watcher to watch Which all these events. Which means he will be around forever. He could live on forever. That um, was a stroke of genius. In my you, you know, he had been doing cameos way before Did the you see MCU. the one in the video game? No, you know what? I haven't gotten to that point yet oh. in the video game. So I heard the in the PS4 Spider-Man game, there's a great cameo. Uh, I love the one from the Hulk where he's with Lou Ferrigno as security guards just because it's fun to see Lou yeah. there. Uh, the Spider-Man 3 one is very touching where he's just like, you know, maybe one man can't, one person can make a difference. And he's like, enough said. Uh, and when he's Larry King and Iron Man for a second is hilarious. The amazing Spider-Man where he's the librarian with the headphones. And there's oh, just he's a, the janitor. Oh, he's, he's the janitor. The, yeah. It, and the it, battle's yeah. going behind him. That's great. That's a great one. And he's in the Deadpool as the strip club fucking uh, guy. That's he's also in the original 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yes. Where there's a episode where spider-man meets he stan meets lee spider-man and gets to go web swinging with his creation <laughs> it's really funny it's so like, weird he's, like riding spider yes he's hanging off <laughs> like <him>. mary jane <laughs> but like and then thor ragnarok where he gives him the haircut that's a great there's so many great cameos yeah. and apparently they filmed i heard like five more oh there's probably uh, ten uh, man, yeah. i don't know i don't know that i don't know if i believe i feel like they at some point they were like let's film a bunch of these probably I mean, we, we you know, know for sure that he has cameos in captain marvel and uh avengers the last one yeah i mean he probably they probably filmed more but i don't know i don't know i don't know how you tie those in i feel like you could film shit on a green screen in a certain way to like have in the can be Do like you think the next marvel movie will have a stanley 
Well, the next one's Captain Marvel. The next so two will have cameos. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm saying we'll have like a oh, oh in memoriam or something. Oh, yes. yeah, you'd definitely have to. I feel like they may have just filmed. I hope. I kind of wish they filmed like one last one that's like touching and poignant, like uh, on purpose with Stan, and they're sa- saving that for something special. Oh, there, there's some. I mean, if they if they play a Stanley like a poignant one while in the movies, yeah. oh my god, holy I, shit, I'm gonna have to hold back. <laughs> On the other hand, they brought Peter Cushing back for Rogue One. He, that motherfucker's been dead for not, since 1995. So I, I, I don't want to see Stan. I don't want them to see them do that either. No, this, please, not this soon. Please don't do that. But they won't. I don't think they would do that. It would be cool if they did it like uh, years from now when you're not expecting it. Yeah, like we're expecting it to them to do that bullshit. And we don't want them to do it. So don't do it. Uh, you know, the, the last superhero uh, Stanley made was uh, going to be a Chinese superhero. So China China was mourning them uh, earlier this week, too. This article from Variety said uh, the hashtag Stanley has passed, appeared a staggering 1.21 billion times by Wednesday evening, equivalent to nearly once per person in the world's country on their Twitter, which is called Weibo. But he was uh, a Chinese superhero named Jewel was going to be his next character based on the Hong Kong Pop singer Gloria Tang CK or Jem, who is sometimes referred to as China's Taylor Swift. So, I mean, the guy that's that column he wrote uh, that was anti bigotry from 1968 that's gone viral, still relevant today. He was creating like superheroes in Latin America all over the world. Global, glo- he wanted to make global superheroes, uh, and hopefully they continue with some of his, his uh, projects. But, geez, I mean, the guy changed the face of Hollywood, a modern comics. I can't yeah. imagine a world where that Marvel never happened. And unlike DC, like who doesn't have a person, Marvel is Stan Lee. Stan Lee will always be Marvel. Well, yeah, like uh, the thing about Marvel, when that company, see, Timely, it's different. Yeah. Timely's got multiple, uh, Timely is more like DC. Right, in the beginning, yeah. Right, there's all these different creators that are not linked together that come up with their individual characters. And then, you know, you have Marston, you got Kane, you got Siegel and Schuster. Or whatever, yep. and and then it, that creates Superman. Did I get that right? Yeah, William Marston was Wonder Woman, Bob Kane, Siegel and Schuster, Superman. Yes. All right, so those are the three main creators there. And then I don't even know who did Aquaman. All these other guys, I forget. But uh, you know, you had different creators in the beginning at Timely, and then uh, Stan Lee being that everything's kind of g- generating out of him. Yeah. It's different. It's different. It's like, it is a Walt Disney. It is yeah. a thing where yeah. he's yeah. like a Steve Jobs yeah. or. Something like that, where the company is—it's his vision. So this this is one article from Hollywood Reporter makes a great point. You can liken him to even Steve Jobs and Thomas Edison, as in he was a creator with enough sense of himself to become the public face of work done by many people, and bring it all together and present it and be a carnival barker like P.T. Barnum and a storyteller like Mark Twain, all at once. Like we'll never have another Stanley. Look, let's wrap this up before we take a break. What would you say to him, Ruggs, if you could well, meet him one last time? I would just say thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you can really say. Yeah. I mean, um, whenever I do meet people, like I've met Art Adams, I've met like different people that I've have influenced me and, and influenced the way I, the things that I love. And uh, I've just, all I could say is thank you. Yeah. And, um, other than that, I mean, like I, I would ask him how he, how he did it, and he always makes it seem like it's just so like cavalier, 
Like, well, I just saw a spider. Yeah, and it I just thought it would be out. cool to it, crawl. It on just the wall. happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. he's like, and that's why I had the idea. And then I saw this. And he just, he would just like get these random ideas from things. And like, he just pulled them out of the ether. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that, you know, a lot has to do with it. Uh, the popularity of Spider Man also has to do with Steve Ditko and his artwork and the design of the suit and Jack all that Kirby, stuff. Gil Kane, all yes. these early creators are a huge part of it. But um, it also. It, it also is like um, those guys didn't really like Steve Ditko was into this and Rand shit. Yeah. And he was like, he couldn't deal with people. Okay? <laughs> he was antisocial. Yes. Like he was not like without that Stan Lee yeah. connection. Yeah. You know, he would have probably gone into obs- even more obscurity. Yeah. Like, think about it. Even with Stan Lee. He you know, still, after he left, he like went back into obscurity. Like he and just kind of retreated. Kirby, same thing with Jack Kirby. Now I love Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby is the fucking man. Kirby got to go and, to DC though and play around and, there and, yes, and come but back. Was anything that he did no, on his own not successful? Really. No, it was always. I mean, we yeah. we know about the new gods and we right. know about yep. stuff like that. But yep. like, like Stan Lee is on another level. Did you know Stan Lee worked for DC briefly? You guys, did you guys know that? Yeah, I did know it. I, I, know. I wasn't familiar with anything that he did though. In, in 2001, they had a series called Just Imagine, uh, and they he kind of uh, oh this is the wrong link I put in here, but he reimagined DC heroes as like Marvel things. But he would do the thing where you know how he names kids and uh, characters and it's all alliteration like Peter Parker. Bruce right. Banner. So like Bruce Wayne became like Wayne Williams and Shazam was like Ramon Raymond. And he made some of them uh, uh, African-American and changed their genders and their ethnicities and had fun with it. Uh, it was a, it was a short lived series in 2001. So the man even worked for Marvel, which was pretty crazy. DC. Yeah. You mean DC? I mean, DC, I would say the same thing. Rugs is like the, when he died, the first thing was, it was, I, I said out loud, I was like, thank you for your inspiration, your imagination, your joy, your sense of wonder. Thank you for giving me a character that like helped me deal with the bullies at school and growing up and, and uh, teaching me, you know, teaching me morals uh, through entertaining art and strong characters and, and just fucking shaping my childhood. God, I can't everything. The phrase, if it wasn't for Stanley blank, you could fill in so many things in there. We wouldn't have this podcast. Anthony, what would you say to Stan? I mean, I just got to echo y'all your thoughts. I mean, I wouldn't say like, I would say thank you for, you know, yeah given me the influence to want to be a better person to be, be a better do right, do, do good things. Like, you know, religion is a big part of that and family is a big part mm-hmm. of that. But, you know, Stanley, I'd like to say, you know, had a little part in that too, you know, because mm-hmm. of all the comics I've read and TV shows I've watched and, and now the movies and, and yeah, I mean, just thanks for making me better, you know? And, and that's, that's the honest truth. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. You know, when you think about, all the care, you know, all the stuff, the storylines, and all that stuff, and it had to have had an influence on on growing up. Um, so yeah, thank you, and and I think um, at least as far as the movies, I think they're in, in he's they're in good hands with Fahey. Yeah. I saw some yeah. stuff with uh, like there was a Toy Story three where they put the faces on they put the face of Stanley on the boy. Oh, they put the face oh, of I Kevin saw that. Yes, the handing it off. Yes, handing off all the. It's toys. like you got to play with him now, uh, and here's the Hulk, and you got to play with the Hulk. So at least for the movie universe, hopefully the things are going. You know, going to keep going. And why he gets it, we. I mean, Fahey, I, yeah. I trust and him. Then, he and you know, it, the the influence is is. Bigger than probably he ever imagined it would be right now. Unbelievable. I mean, it's farewell. It's hard to fathom, like, just how big it yes, is. Yes, yes. How much. Like, when you ask someone, they can't really even put it into words, like, all the things that 
he has uh, inspired. Yep, and he may not have created uh, everything, but he totally inspired inspired into so many yes, things. Yes, and not only that, but uh, I want to say this too. I mean, he looked like he was having fun yeah. all the time. I mean, he looked like Always. he enjoyed it, and he. At a certain point, I saw a couple of interviews with him, and he was saying that, um, you know, at one point in time, I realized that I, this is my, this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. Like I, I, wanted, I thought I'd be like a real writer. Yeah. But then I'm like, a lot of people read these comics, and probably more than anybody would ever read my books if I ever wrote books. Yeah. Yeah. And he realized that, that okay, this is important. I realized the magnitude of what this is. And I have to respect. I mean, it. as a as so as a creator, that's what every creator wants, and it's so rare for a creator to see his characters, you know, grow and be, and become I mean, icons. And he is he is the point oh like millionth percent, yeah, of like creators that not only yeah. are successful but yep. then see their artwork or yep. see their work um, become this worldwide phenomenon. I mean, he's got people in. China clamoring for his movies yeah. like, or the yeah. movies that he's had influence on. One final question before we uh, finish this off. But do you think that Stan Lee got his due? I mean, I mean, for the fans, obviously. But do you think that Marvel did right by, by him and all that other stuff? I mean, I don't know enough about what happened with him and Marvel in, in those years that he was gone. I mean, they pay, the kind of paid him off. Like, they paid him off. And they went their separate but ways. Like the, the contribution is so monumental. I don't think you could even put a price. No, on because it. that would be really you. Marvel owes them all well, the, the billions of dollars. Let's rewind when they when that happened. It was the early nineties, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, things were big. Yeah, but they are infinitely bigger now. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're looking through the lens of now when at the time. You know, it's different. Like, it, it, yes, he had he had he had this influence, but like now it's like this worldwide thing where it's up there with Disney and everything else that, that takes over the world. Right. So, I mean, it, in retrospect, yes, you know, he's probably, they, they probably should have given him everything. Like yeah. he should get the world from Marvel, yeah. but you know, hindsight's always 2020. That's one of the things that, uh, about fandom. That's so great. Like the f- people, like this community that we are all, were a part of, or are a part of, of fandom of, of these comics. Like, there was a time where, like, we were, like, these dudes, like, with very small population. Yeah. yeah. And nobody was on board with what we were doing. And people were making fun of us or saying that our our, our hobbies are dumb and or whatever. And now it's the most profitable thing. The geeks have inherited the earth. Yes. <laughs> All right. That exists in any kind of medium. And the man that started it all was the one who respected that fan and spoke to that fan. Yep. Yep. That's yep. a good point. That's, yep. that's something I didn't think of. That's where it all so starts. I think that they do owe him a lot. And, and and to build that brand, to have people my age that are that feel like they and people older than me. Yeah. That have been touched by that and will stand behind the products. And that's why there is all of this kind of uh, upheaval going on between you know this people who don't like like the new comics people who don't like people who want change people who don't want change i mean i could see on one hand it seems like they're shitting on stan what stan created yeah yeah but I, I think the point is now is people are the the things that you guys you know and i was kind of in that tweener era where it was like kind of cool it's like comics but kind of yeah, not yeah you know the 90s it's cool weird. to like it now but yeah, yeah. No, now, now it's uh, the thing out. is, re- re- no re- stigma regardless yeah. yeah now it's like 
I have friends that are watching comic book movies. I was like, you would have never wanted to watch this as a child. Like I, you would have thought this was stupid yep, as a teenager. Yep, yep. But I think the point is whether whether the comics are getting changing or they're they're becoming different. The fact is, everyone talks about it. Yeah, literally, the world talks about these yeah. things, and they they could be the the minor. You know, there's certain segments of fandom that are talking about you know, the comics themselves, and there's certain segments of fandom that are talking about the movies. But everyone in the world, I I would grant you, or everyone of the good majority of the world, if you ask them what a Marvel character is, who Spider-Man is, who Iron Man is, they're going to know. And it's this man that created it. If you hold up a photo of Spider-Man anywhere on this planet, they will be like, that's Spider-Man. Like, you, go, that's, you, could, you could literally go Spider-Man, many, Jesus, Mickey Mouse, and, Mickey Mouse, and, yeah. all, and everyone and would recognize Jackson. all three. I, would, I don't know about Michael Jackson. No, I would put I Michael Jackson up there. I don't know about the, the, anymore. No? <laughs> yeah. But yes, I mean, I mean the music lives on, but I'm talking yeah. about like the, the face. Yes, like, the face, the I, the, I, the iconography. Uh, it's uh, and it'll be here. So look, he creates he creates something that everyone in the world can yeah. say they know about. It's it, and and it, so it's a farewell to Stan. You know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, not, peace, it's sad, but it's not. It's more of a celebration. Will, it is a celebration. He will never be forgotten. He will. He will continue to be talked about. Stuff that he's influenced will be continued to be talked about forever. And in fact, in the second half of this show, as we take a break, play some promos, we're going to come back with a little bit of geek news and news from the nation. Right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. If you're looking for a sports host and show that gives you the flavor. Tom Brady thrown for over 60,000 yards, the most playoff victories, the most Super Bowls, the most Super Bowl MVPs. He is not the greatest of all time. That brings the energy. Shaq quote, the earth is flat. Close quote. The earth is round. That isn't about. This or that. It ain't this or that. Charles Barkley, 1994. You stole two home games in the Western Conference semifinals against the Rockets. Your team blows it in seven. One year later, up three games to one. Two games at home. And you blow that too. Then you've come to the right place. I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guy Cole Johnson. Cole Sports. On Cole Sports. With the Z. This is Todd Gersler. This is Craig Cosner. Hate this podcast. The best show you never heard. The best show you're never going to want to hear. I'm just trying to not work and laugh. We're just trying to make each other laugh. Politically correct is bullshit. You could be liberal and not be politically correct. We're just trying to push the envelope. We interview interesting people, comedians, sex-positive feminists, musicians. Most of all, we say whatever we want to say. We have a producer that uh, he likes to overstep the boundaries, right? Yes, yes. He does. He's not funny. You may be offended, but you will laugh on iTunes and Google Plus, Stitcher, and all that shit. I hate this podcast. You can't possibly hate this podcast as much as we do. Doc, and Listener, if you've been enjoying the show and you want a little bonus, a little bonus, Jock and Nerd, a little extra, extra. I tell you what you got to do. Join our fan club. Just visit jockiner.com slash Patreon, where you can financially support us monthly and you get bonus content. You get a whole nother podcast feed with hours of extra stuff in there. Post shows, whole episodes, instant reactions to movies. Last week, we talked about the, the movement that happened because of uh, Seth Morgan uh, running a little uh, impromptu pledge drive. Well, that movement didn't end. After we recorded the show, 
Uh, I gotta say thank you to Lisa Morrison for increasing her pledge. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Steve Morrison, for being a copycat and increasing your pledge. Wowie zowie. Whoa. The Morrisons are a great couple. Lisa Damn. first, then Steve. So that happened. And then thank you to new patron. Uh, this guy's a listener to the show. He's been on the show, friend of the show, Kevin McPartland, also known as Kevin Stencils, also known as Mr. Anti-Hero. The shame bell worked on him. He's in for five bucks a month. Nerd. Oh. Uh, check out his work on Instagram at Mr. Anti-Hero. He's a stencil artist. Very good. Loves the X-Men. Uh, we should have him back on soon. Uh, miss the Kevin stencil. So I got to say thank you finally for Seth Morgan for matching because now he's up $60 a month on the Patreon. Oh shit. Wow. Yeah. We he, need like 10 more of those. He, we need 10 more. So he's a top <laughs> earner. He's a good earner. That's yeah, he's Morgan. a top, top Patreon top guy. Dog gets what? That's so, he gets first crack at Amron's butthole. That, that's right. Thanks. <laughs> Let me lube it up. I got plenty of loop. When the purge comes. Listen, thanks to <laughs> Seth Morgan, already for November, we are up $23 in pledges and five new patrons. Oh, shit. That's fucking crazy. That's insane. Thank you <laughs> wow. so much. Holy fuck. I, I can't believe people give us money. I don't know why. We love. Thank you so much. We appreciate it so much. And for Supports those. Supports the show. Support 100%. the show. 100%. Uh, it, it helps the show come out every week. So for those people on the Patreon, you get to enjoy a couple of special things this week. We have a new episode of Jock Talk with a special guest, Anthony. Yeah, Imran is on Jock Talk this week. Oh, you squirmed your way in. What are you talking about? Look, he weaseled this, his way in. I did, uh, I, this was not my idea. Thanks. What sport is this? Thanks. Uh, what? It's a CrossFit edition of oh, Jock yeah. Talk. Uh, that was, I thought it was Olympic masturbation because that's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, gold medal in that. My balls was hot. Oh, my balls was hot though. Uh, look, you know, thanks to it was Chaz's idea, and I thank him for the invite. And I'm not one like I was completely content. I love that you guys are doing your thing. I didn't want to interfere, and I'm not like you gotta have me on. No, I don't care. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. It's I thought it was a pretty funny show. Check that one out. And by the time this show posts, we will have a full movie review of Starship Troopers sponsored by said Seth Morgan for his movie pick. It's going to be extra shiny for you, Seth. We're going to polish it and uh, get it nice and shiny. Squirt bug juice all over your fucking face. That's right. Bug Bukag. Only good bugs a dead bug. (laughs) Uh, So sign up, jockander.com slash Patreon. Uh, A little bit of news here from, uh, we'll do some geek news. Stuff that Stanley uh, inspired, influenced, created. If it wasn't for Stanley, Sony right now would not be enjoying a huge international box office for Venom. Oh shit! That, this this Venom has given them one of their biggest hits. Holy shit! Since 2012, million. it opened to a hundred million dollars in China. Second biggest launch God for a damn. superhero movie. Boy, were we wrong about this fucking movie? What a uh, bunch of idiots. <laughs> taking this article says Venom throttles to 700 million. They don't watch anything. It's also pushed <laughs> Sony to $2 billion at the box office this year. However, it says 700 million, but if you go to box office mojo, it says it's at 677 million. But it, it's it, close. It's close. It's made 207 domestic on a $100 million budget. 
That's insane. Wow. Uh, the mo- way more profitable for them than any yeah, Spider-Man movie. Happy. Wow. Gonna, this is the start of this is the start a whole of Venom shitty... franchise. So, uh, Not only a Venom franchise, but offshoot Spider-Man characters like uh, what? Morbius. Craven. Uh, Silver Sable. Black Silver Cat. Silver Sable. What Black else Cat. They, oh what else God. did they play? Habeas Corpus. Habeas Corpus. This Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man 2099. It, yeah. It made more money than Justice League. Uh, already. So to that how point, embarrassing is that for Justice right? how, how embarrassing is that you couldn't get a movie that starred Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash, and fucking Tom Hardy's Venom beats it? What the shit? Which one is the worst movie? What though? the shit? Mm. I think Venom is the worst movie. Mm. Venom is the worst movie? Than Justice League? I think Justice League is a weird Frankenstein movie. Yeah. I think Venom's actually like legitimately bad. What about Batman vs. Superman? These Batman vs. Superman makes me, makes me makes you angry, angry, so I'm always against Batman vs. Superman. I just, uh, ah, God, these are all hard You can questions. watch Venom with a, and go, it's a movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can watch Venom, and then you're going to be like, that's a lot of dumb shit. Yeah. But then Justice League was just like a vanilla Justice neutered, League is the most vanilla movie ever, yeah. Like, it, has, it leaves no impact on you. At least Venom kind of leaves you an impact. You're like, fuck it's yeah, shit. Tom Hardy. It's shit. So, look, here. This <laughs> is runs nine out of ten, Venom. Um, no, I said six and a half, seven, oh, eight. God. I don't know. Whatever. doesn't matter. But, fellas, here's the question. Found an interesting article, comicbookresources.com. Does the success of Venom give Sony an edge over Disney sure. in its fight to keep Spider-Man? Because, basically, yeah. Sony takes this calculated risk. It pays off. And now it seems Disney needs Sony's Spider-Man a little bit more than yeah. Sony needs Disney. Well, I think they they seriously botched the open door to Spider-Man in the Venom movie when they made the bad guy be the guy who wanders the earth for six months where he could have attached himself to Spider-Man. He could have had a Parker cameo. All that like, shit. What were those rumors of that Tom Holland cameo? Was that bullshit? Was that ever going to be in there? Eh, I don't know. Will we they, ever see the, that Tom Holland Spider-Man in a Sony like, movie? Any way they, any way they p- insert Spider-Man into this is going to be wrong. Yeah. yeah. So they're at a huge disadvantage there. Their only advantage that they have is that they can make a movie that's related to Spider-Man. People go see it. The minute they put Spider-Man in, it doesn't fit. Like the people who are ready to hate Sony are going to fucking really hate Sony. What if Sony just cast their own Spider-Man, adult Spider-Man, and it's in their own separate because Spider-Man it's not universe? Gonna, it, they're going to complain because it's not. It's not it doesn't Holland, fit, and it doesn't no, connect. It doesn't fit properly. Like Venom shouldn't exist before on Eddie Spider-Man. Brock before Spider-Man. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Anthony, after Spider-Man: Far From Home, Holland's six-movie contract and this weird deal is done. Do you think Sony will have to buy? I mean, Disney will have to fucking buy Sony at any chance of getting uh, a Spider-Man back. I mean, I don't know. I think um, I think Marvel will figure it out, but I think they're going to have to give Sony a lot more money. How much money would it take? How much did they buy uh, Fox or a seventy-two billion? I think it's on the number one. I don't think they got another seventy-two laying around. No, I think they busted their nut <laughs> on the I mean, Fox it, this deal. definitely does hurt the like 
Spider-Man in the MCU for in the future. Because yeah. Sony's yeah. going to be like, Sony's got a good, Sony's in a good spot right now. They man. really are. And I, I think we all agree that this risk that, that paid off is probably a fluke. And I doubt they're going to be able to reproduce this yeah, with those is, other no, characters. It is yeah, like a fluke. I don't, but, you, there's, it's not sustainable to make shitty movies over and over. Right. Because eventually people fucking get hip. Like, do you think they, they know that they made a shitty movie and they fluked out? I think they, they like, know they barely got away with making a fucking movie. It's like a guy who <laughs> who who has spends one night with a really hot chick and thinks he can do it again. Yes. I, I think what they're thinking is <laughs> yeah. we've made all this money and yeah. we didn't even have Woody Harrelson as Carnage yet. Right. They're Imagine like, how much oh, money we can shit. print oh, shit. when Woody Harrelson yeah. with that bad red wig. <laughs> That stupid red wig shows up. So, and that movie doesn't have to be good either, because all you got to show is fucking Carnage and some PG thirteen bloodshed. Too, but because we've did. already seen Carnage fight another symbiote. Yeah, wait, what? Or not Carnage, Venom. Venom. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that was the big thing was going to be. So and it was boring. It was yeah. boring. It was, it was, it was kind I of confusing. Tell what was going on. Yes, they punched each other out out of their symbiotes, and I couldn't see what was happening. Similar colors, but, but fuck, dude, China loves Venom. And now Sony's sitting pretty with, like, this is their big, this is the biggest franchise they've had in years. This is the biggest fucking hit they've had in years, Sony. Yeah. Most it's, profitable. It's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> what the fuck? This is going sad. It's a sad day. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Exactly. I mean, the last, well, the last thing they made that made a lot of money was Jumanji. Yes. But before that, I mean, they were. They were they were relying upon. Um, I think the this Bond made more movies. money than Jumanji. Yes, this made more than the Bond movies. That was their only franchise. No, Jumanji made more. Oh, Jumanji made more. Yeah. Jumanji. But it was the, the Bond movies. Yeah, they don't really have a lot. No, no, they've been. They had the you know they but did the. Now emo- this is this puts the rocket to all those side characters that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you guys are nine hundred very they interested in watching a Morbius film without Spider Man. Just put Spider Man in. Or a Craven last hunt without Sp- I don't know. hunt. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> fucking giraffes and shit? What's he gonna hunt? I don't wanna see that. Ugh, I don't I, know. I could totally see a fucking Craven like the last hunt, uh just being some goofy guy wearing some leopard on his fucking body. I mean the only thing saving this is like if they get rid of Avi Arad and Amy Pascal, but that's not happening either because they just made Sony a shitload of money. They're 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 in a good spot. They're solid right now. Uh, let's move on to uh, another guy uh, d- indirectly uh, came about because of Stan Lee would be Deadpool. Everything is indirectly due to Stan Lee, really, honestly. Right. Face it back. But we talked about this, the Deadpool PG-13 uh, <laughs> cut that's coming out. It has a title. Uh, it's called Once Upon a Deadpool. It will run on a limited engagement for 12 Lame. days from December 12th to Christmas. Now... We were saying, is this a cash grab? How much are they going to milk this? Here's how, that's pretty brilliant. Here's how they combat that. Every For every ticket sold, $1 will go to uh, a cancer uh, charity called Fuck Cancer, which will be temporarily renamed Fudge Cancer, uh, as a fundraising effort. That, Ew, they even, they've even done yeah, that. Yeah, they to- even PG-13 the cancer. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? That gets my money. I've been affected by cancer. We do shit at work for cancer. If I could go see his movie in a dollar, like I feel better. Uh, so Reynolds talked a little bit about the that Fox has been asking for this PG-13 version since 2006. And he said no. And he said yes, finally, on two conditions. He said a portion of the proceeds had to go to charity. And then he says, second, I want to kidnap Fred Savage. 
and, which he did. So Fred Savage <laughs> is going to star in Frandies in a Princess Bride parody. Uh, holy shit. And the runtime is like three minutes shorter than Deadpool 2. So uh, I like the cancer tie-in. I think that helps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still a clear money grab, but it's enough of a, a twist that I think they can make. Christmas time, they can do some stuff charity fundraising. They, and they're throwing Fred Savage in it. Fred it, Savage. It, it helps a little bit that they know that it's, it, what they're doing is completely soulless. Yes. So it's a self-aware thing. So they're I, going yes. to use that to help people. That's fine. That's great. And they're writing that great line of being self-aware. I love even on the poster, of the it says, no Fs given. Which is great on you know several levels. It's a PG thirteen. Won't be swearing, and they don't give a fuck. It's great. Uh, okay, I want to talk about this trailer for uh, Pokemon oh Detective God. Pikachu movie. What the fuck? Oh shit! I was not expecting from Legendary guys, the guys about you Godzilla. Uh, I didn't expect this trailer to be what it was, and it kind of surprised me. And I kind of dug it a little bit, Anthony. You were uh, in the Pokemon generation. I am, I am the guy that grew up playing Pokemon. Yes. So tell us, as the guy who grew up playing Pokemon, about two years, a year and a half to two years, with the, like early Pokemon. with the with the cards. Oh, with the game on oh, Game with the, Boy. Oh, the Game Boy game that was the in Game Boy game was the first thing. It was Color Game Boy, right? That that version. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that Game Boy game uh, wasn't it a cartoon originally, or the game came first? I don't remember. All right. What do you think of this? <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, so I grew up playing or with Pokemon. Um, let me just look up what the fuck it was first. What did you think of it? <laughs> God, I need to know. What, what? Do you need to know? All right. Um, Stop marrying the lead, Anthony. It's <laughs> not what I was expecting for sure. I mean, well, growing up playing Pokemon and watching it on TV, the cartoon, collecting the cards, seeing the first movie, Pokemon the movie. I mean, all of it's this fantasy, you know, land of catching animals and training them and evolution of involving the animals to fight in a, in a gladiatorial battle sort of feel. An arena and you yeah, got yeah. Ash, a trainer. Yeah. So, I mean, to, I mean, what were you for expecting? For the first live action film. Yeah, that. I was kind of expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> and then th- instead, you got Ryan Reynolds. Talking as Poke- as a Pikachu, who's like the most iconic character in the whole thing, and this was not at all what I was expecting. I, I watched the whole thing and I was like, I don't know if I like this or I don't. I, I was just like, this is completely strange. I don't even have an opinion. I was just more like flabbergasted on the direction. Yo, I kind of dug it. I, kinda... I was, I was like, where's Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is <laughs> Ted. <laughs> it oh, seemed like Ted. Yes, yeah, it has. It's very dark. You didn't expect it to be so dark. I kind of love the idea that. Only the kid can hear Pikachu and nobody else can. Uh, that's that's kind of clever because you can have a lot of fun with that. But, dude, I thought the, the effects look great and, like, the arena scenes and it looks like it's scary and it looks uh, uh, this looks like fun. Like, I might actually want to go see this. Rugs, what do you think? Well, I, th- I think it was weak sauce that they had to do Ted. And like Anthony said, he's expecting a Pokemon movie that just basically... Beyond a shadow of a doubt, proves that Pokemon is lame because you can't <laughs> you make a can't movie do. about it without making it something else. <laughs> Look, but I disagree. So Dylan McCandless on our Facebook group posted this comment. I kind of agree. He said, I'm glad that they aren't trying to adapt the story of Ash Ketchum. It doesn't really lend itself to a movie format. And I do kind of agree. I like the the the, the, Wait, the way you agree with something you've never seen 
You've never you don't so know he, what the ass catching story I've, I've watched anymore. some of the cartoons. So Dylan right. McCandles is pretty much saying what I'm saying. Yeah, he said exactly Ash, what you're Ash saying. Ketchum is lame and yeah. Pokemon is lame, yeah. so you have to make it something else to be able to like it. I've wa- I watched the cartoons. Uh I've I I've watched some of them. Why? I don't know. They were just on like in the afternoon, <laughs> like when it started. And I was like, and I think everyone was I was like, let me see what this Pokemon is. I kinda enjoyed like the anime style. The the appeal for me as a kid was I enjoyed having monsters fight each other. Ah. So you could train your, yeah. your Pokemon, your monsters, to then fight each other. That was that was the whole appeal for me, is catching them and then um, training them to fight other people. Do you think, I know some Pokemon fans, adults, and I've heard from dad, parents who have kids that everyone is super geeked for this, and it's probably going to make a shit ton of money. I mean, there's yeah, a whole generation that grew up playing this. Of I don't, course. I don't know if the whole, like, all my friends that have seen this trailer that knew about Pokemon, grew up with it, were all like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're like, what? But, I mean, some people were like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Like, it's it's kind of got a Ted feel. Let's yeah. see. Like, I've never. Well, they made I never a movie w- that people would watch even not knowing what Pokemon is and they'll give yeah, you shit that, that's, that's the that was that's the, that's, that's the appeal. Yeah, that, it's, it's a broader appeal. I mean, Pikachu looks totally cute. I like Blake Braden also left this comment. He says, I'm a total in-the-closet Pokemon fan, so I will enjoy this movie as I illegally watch it from my home and not in theaters where I may be the only adult without a kid. I well never played. would have imagined... <laughs> Let's put it like that. I never would have imagined Pikachu's real voice to be Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. I think it kind of works, though. It's kind of endearing. Uh, and then It's kind of on the nose. You know, kids will watch this, and then they'll grow up, and they'll watch Deadpool, and they'll be like, holy shit, Deadpool's Pikachu? I wonder how close they'll get to how it really is in the Pika, show. Pika, Pika, Pika. Like, will it eventually evolve into? Well, there's a, like, there looks like to be arena battles. Yeah, that well, stuff. Well, no, they should make it the Michael Vick Pokemon. <laughs> Oh shit! What's, oh, what's shit. that mean? Like fucking Michael Vick dog you, like, fights get, in the backyard. Yeah, that's basically what Pokemon is. Back right? alley Pokemon. You just balls. go to it. You go. It's like a cockfight, yeah. right? It, it literally is. That's really <laughs> at its core is what it is. It's a fucking. You capture dog animals fight. and put them in an arena to fight each other. Wow, it seems so fucking inhum- inhumane and horrible. <laughs> Pokemon, Not Pokemon. I wonder if they'll you bring, catch them and you train them. They'll bring that up. Pokemon you never rights. get hurt. Not no. at all. Was I suspect? I didn't even yeah. know that a Pokemon movie was coming out. And one of my friends was like, what do we think about this? I was like, Pikachu. What the, the fuck, fuck is this? And I looked it up. I was like, oh, my God. Remember when Pokemon Go this? was hot for like a week? Oh, was that when they catch them on your phone? Yeah, that was, yeah, that that was hot for like a week or People two. People still play that, I guess. Yeah, they have, there's like Pokemon Go meetups. But remember how crazy people got? They were walking into traffic in front of cars, falling into manhole covers. People have lost their mind. Like churches were like, could you put some in here? Yes, yes <laughs> get people in. Get some people at church. I, it was it was big. I mean, Pokemon's was was a big thing. You know what else yeah. is a big thing? Godzilla and King Kong. Uh-huh. Uh, that movie has begun production. Yeah. And we have our plot synopsis. Let me know what you guys think of this vague plot synopsis as they all are. It says, in a time when monsters walk the earth, humanity's fight for its future sets Godzilla and Kong on a collision course that will see the two most powerful forces of nature on the planet collide in a spectacular battle for the ages. As Monarch embarks on a perilous mission into uncharted terrain and unearths clues to the Titan's origins, a human conspiracy threatens to wipe the creature's both good and bad, from the face of the earth forever. Hmm, what does that last uh, sentence, two sentences mean? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's going to be what I'm Is sure. Is it going to be most, Godzilla? That, I was reading some theories online, and that, this would be a good movie to bring out, like, 
if they're going to do a storyline where the humans might be kind of the enemy, you know, you're going to have Godzilla and King Kong fight and then they're going to have to team up eventually against the common threat. And right. If it's the humans that are fucking causing all this, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Mecha Godzilla or a Mecha King Kong. Or the Jaegers. Yeah, or Jaegers, yeah. So how do they explain his size? Uh, Kong's size is the other thing I'm wondering. He's uh, it's good. been, what, 30, 40 years? He just got bigger. He just film. grows. Yeah. No, they basically, listen, this is a monster movie science, right. which is not real. You know, Godzilla can't really exist. Right. So he would collapse under his own weight, right? So King Kong in Skull Island is young, and they said that he's only going to get bigger. So there you go. So he's just going to grow. This, uh, we got to wait yeah. till 2020. That's all you need, really. For Godzilla versus Kong, of course, Godzilla King of the Monsters is coming out before. They already made King Kong bigger in that movie anyway. They did. Yeah, he so, was already the biggest it, he's ever been. King well, of the it's Mon- up in the King Kong Godzilla films. King of the Monsters is coming out next ones. year? It's still weird for me that... Uh, well, no, King of the Monsters is coming out this year. Wait, 2018? Oh, next year, then It's still okay. weird as a as a big-time kaiju fan that yeah. King Kong comes after King Ghidorah, Mothra, mm. and Rodan. But, it should be the other way around, like uh, Godzilla. I mean, if you're lore. talking about real power sets, yeah, King Kong is not as strong as... A, like. Not He's as just strong. The most as, famous. Yeah, not as strong as a team up of those three. Like, right, definitely right. not. Should be. Hmm, I, I think it's gonna saying. be. I think it's gonna be tag team, Anthony. Tag team. Yeah, it's gonna be Mothra and Godzilla versus Rodan and Kong. No, no. no. Oh, King of the Monsters. Sorry, King of the Monsters. I think it's gonna be tag team, and then uh, in there's definitely gonna be like a, a BVS where they're going to fight for like five minutes. And then something else is going to come, and they're going to have to kick its ass. Wait, your yeah. mom's name is Martha too. Uh, well, I don't think <laughs> there was a, a joke on. They dude. should. They have. <laughs> they should squeeze in a Martha joke in no, there. What it would be is they'd go, you know, Mothra. Mothra. <laughs> oh, Mothra. Oh my God, that's it. Because I was going to ask, what if in Godzilla versus Kong, <laughs> some of the kaiju from King of the Monsters maybe are still around? They cross over. Like maybe there's there's a cameo, but it should be Mothra because then they both know Mothra. Right. They're like, hey, we're buddies. Why are we fighting? <laughs> it's these be, shitty humans. We got to. The fight. one thing I'm interested in seeing those plot synopses and and seeing the trailer for the King of the Monsters is they keep talking about like the Titans having an effect on like weather and stuff like the planet yeah yeah like the planet and like by us like some by us trying to get rid of these things it fucks with the planet i'm just trying to figure out how they're tying this all in together I mean, in that like, trailer what, what, what weird pseudoscience do we have going <laughs> on here i love it in that trailer how you just see like epic storms and post-apocalyptic style shit like the planet's fucking freaking out the weather's going crazy or like is it because we're destroying the planet that these titans are coming out to stop us? Now they've named them titans too. I guess they can't use kaiju because Pacific Rim used kaiju. Or Mudo. Huh? No, the Mudos. They're not Mudos anymore. No, right? No, they've been oh, using the titans in titans. A few synopsis mm. now. Yeah, they're called the titans. Titans. Does it remind <laughs> you of the shitty DC show? There you go. Titans. Kaiju right. just means monster. <laughs> yeah. I think they're trying to make it more majestic. So yeah, I appreciate that. I guess. <laughs> Uh, look, titties. titties. If you oh, are a, uh, a DC fan out there and you are highly anticipating Aquaman coming out December 21st and you have Amazon Prime, check out this fucking promotion. What's Amazon that? Prime is going to offer nationwide Aquaman screenings on December 15th. Wait, oh, shit. Do that? Five days before regular U.S. release. Theater chains like Regal Cinemas, Cinepolis, Bowtie Cinemas, Arclight, Showcase Cinemas, and Studio Movie Grill will feature 7 p.m. screenings of Aquaman for Amazon Prime customers. 
Uh, and then the movie will preview later the 20th. But hmm. this will be five days earlier. So they did this for Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle in Hotel Transylvania. And Jumanji had sold out. This is a very interesting, like, streaming Amazon Warner Brothers promotion here. Uh, my wife has Amazon Prime. We have the household. I'm like, oh, shit. We can watch this. We can see this movie five days before. It will already be out in uh, overseas and in China. It opens on the 7th in China. And then 21st. But uh, what do you guys think of this promotion? And do you think we'll see more of these kind of promotions? Watch it on Prime before the theater? No, you watch it in the theater. But you can only get the ticket if you are a Prime subscriber, a Prime member. They're going to do special screenings. One time on the 15th. I mean, it's a cool perk of having that subscription for sure. You know, this makes me want to get Amazon Prime if I didn't have it. That's cool. I know it is cool. I mean, it won't make me get Amazon Prime, but. It's a cool perk. Really cool promotion. Okay, a couple of quick TV news things, and then we'll get to news from the nation. Uh, the Mandalorian, John Favreau's Star Wars streaming Disney Plus show, cast a couple of people. Pedro Pascal is confirmed to star Oberon Martell and the guy from Narcos. Narcos. Uh, he's a great actor. And joining the Mandalorian, Gina Carano. Geek boner. Uh, oh, she's a terrible actress. Um, we saw her in the first Deadpool. Ex, <laughs> she's awful. Ex-pro wrestler, right? No, ex-MMA uh, fighter. Oh, she's ex-MMA fighter. Come on, Imran. Uh, I don't, look, I don't know things. I was on Jock Talk once. I don't, I gotta, it's not enough. Uh, no, but she, I think she'll make a, a, an awesome looking like warrior in this uh, bounty hunter world on Mandalore. Uh, and then Game of Thrones has confirmed their premiere date, there's a new little teaser video out. I don't know if you guys saw the video, I but did. it nope. will be coming out April 2019, which is going to be hilarious because then by May, it'll be over. Like that quickly. Why will it be over Because there's May? only, I think, six episodes. Oh. But they, I heard they might split it up, no? No, this. I think there's only six or seven, but they have said all the final episodes will be longer than an hour. Oh shit! Dude, what do you guys think of this little video? Like they show you, I kind of got me hyped up. It was a cool. I didn't see it. I watched it. it I mean, it's it's just clip. What are you doing? Sorry, it's just playing uh, clips Seat from the past. Of it's, it's, yeah, it's good. I, mean, I was like, it, oh, it wasn't another thing where like you haven't seen before, but it was yeah. a nice hype video. Yeah, no, no new footage, but it does definitely get you hyped. This is hashtag for the throne. So April, April, guys, twenty nineteen, all to be over. April, guys. a month and a half later. And then we can all just go on with our lives. Uh, Without the thrones. Without the thrones, we will have a winner. All right, time for news from the nation. I'm very excited to play my new drop. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's not done yet. Okay, I think it's done now. (laughs) This should be like a zipper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... Uh, ton of shit hitting a toilet. And a thud. Yeah. It's time for news from the nation. No, like they, they don't. It doesn't have to be dick related. Daddy it can just be like you know all the things that it, all the sounds that we like. Just came out of a bag. All right. Well, the bag's open. <laughs> uh, let's start with this. Seth Morgan posted on our Facebook group. Great question. So, just a thought. He's asking all of our listeners in the group, "How'd you guys get into comics?" This is a great question. Anthony who, can go. First. Who wants to go first? I mean. Kind of reiterate what I said earlier about Stan Lee, but um, as a kid watching uh, cartoons, X-Men, Spider-Man, all those cartoons, and then you know, and then seeing those characters, I don't know what came first, either seeing them on TV or being at 
Because they used to have, I remember seeing comics at like Jewel. Like yeah, they had spinner racks Costco. back in the yeah, day. Like yeah, like the spinner racks yeah. at the end of the aisle. So I remember seeing those and being like, I like this. Like these characters are are big and muscular and are fighting each other. Yeah, this yeah. is awesome. So I don't know what came first, but um, either TV shows or the, the the comics at the store. But either way, they both crossed over into one another and, and made me like comics, like looking at the pictures as a child. And then... What got me back into comics once I started to grow up was seeing the movies, seeing the like MCU, the MCU, especially, I mean, seeing, you know, Spider-Man, Hulk, those movies that first came out, I was like into it, but then seeing Iron Man, literally the thing that really got me into comics again was seeing Iron Man at the end of that go and uh, Sam Jackson going, this is, you're a part of a bigger world. This the is tag. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me, I want to talk to you about the Avenger initiative. I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. This is part of my childhood. That's now cool on screen. Let's get back into this. And, you know, seeing like the Dark Knight, um, Batman Begins, like those those movies, Dark Knight, Iron Man, those movies got me back into comics. And now I'm out of comics again, but I still <laughs> like the uh, the media around it. Absolutely. Uh, my story is, like I said earlier, I grew up with Spider-Man. I knew about Spider-Man my whole life, but it wasn't until uh, my cousins, I think I was maybe 10, 11, 12, they brought over, it's all due to my cousins, two big garbage bags full of of random comics, everything from DC Batman comics from the 60s and 70s, uh, Spider-Man comics from the 70s. Spider-Man. It's pronounced Spiderman. Uh, Archie and like and uh, Richie Rich and just a bag of random loose comics, and that was it, man. I I I devoured them. I started drawing them. I they were on my wall. I copied them. Uh, and, uh, uh, that was it. I just, I started buying them weekly and, uh, I mean, and I've still, I've still surrounded. I have, uh, several short boxes in this room, way too many filling it up. Uh, and I'm not, I'm still kind of reading comics, but, but uh, thanks to Anthony in 2011 is when I also got back into comics with you, with the new 52. That was a lot of fun. Rods, how'd you you get into comics? Um, this is I'm typing something. But anyway. Um, Stop typing. You're a felty. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're typing Answer with your fucking question. mouth. Jesus all right. So, <laughs> so, um, this hurt. So basically, the interest began with the action figures. Obviously, you get dolls. Then you watch cartoons. But I couldn't read for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad or my mom would never buy me anything like comics. Because, like, they're, they're just like, this is stupid. <laughs> Anyway, so my library, when I was in my elementary school, had these books. They were basically like the first issue of Amazing Fantasy in a hardcover. Ah. They had like all of these comic books like in a hardcover that like you could take out from the library. And I remember when I was in like uh, like first grade, second grade, we'd go down, we'd have library day, we'd go down to the library, you could take out a book. So I would take out that Spider-Man book like every week and read it, and until I I didn't couldn't read, but I would just look at the the pages, and then eventually when I could read, I read it, and then I would take it out even more, and then eventually I graduated from that school, and I was like you know and you know like uh, middle school, and I could read and I could walk to the comic book store and I could ride because you used to have a local comic book store that you could ride your bike to, and. I, once I walked into this fucking store and I saw all the comics and I was like, holy shit. And I became obsessed 
with going to comic book stores. Not just because I didn't have a lot of money to buy them, but I wanted to be in the store and just look at what they have and all it was weird shit in them. And then I learned that they had a store in the local mall. There was like a comic book store. So I went and I sought that out. And I was just like hunting for comic book stores, like pedaling my bike to every store. Eventually when... um. One day, uh, I got a bunch of used comics from somebody's garage sale or something. And it was like maybe like a couple of long boxes. And uh, my mom brought them home. And uh, they were all Spider-Man, X-Men, all the runs. Wow. The the fucking, not from the beginning of Spider-Man, but all the 70s shit. But in sequential, you had every issue. Holy shit. The Spider-Man, the black costume, that whole saga. Sin Eater, uh, Craven's Last Damn, Hunt. Damn, I had to go issues. buy all that shit when no, I, when I, had, I st- it was it was instantly in my possession. Wow, I did. And I read wow, them all. Wow. And then as soon as I got any money for my birthday or whatever, I'd pedal to the comic book store and buy some shit. And so um, it was became this like obsession. And I remember there was a couple of guys that were at the comic book store that were like the comic book store geeks. Yeah. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. You weird fucking Eastern <laughs> European fuck. <laughs> that kid smells funny. Get him out of here. You're not an American. As, and they would fucking, as it should be. And they were like, you know, they're like, you're a weirdo. And, and Go back But I, I, I just country. hung out there and they eventually like, I became cooler than them. So I was like, you're a fucking jerk off. Get out of here, you dumb fuck. It's so, <laughs> it's so different now because back then the game was like you would buy the, the weekly comics, but then you get to go to the stores and go back and fill in these story arcs and complete yeah. your collection. And I was so proud of having like Spider-Man 200 through 300, like almost every issue of the 200 run and before and after. And you would go back and fill in and learn about these stories. Uh, you can't even find stores that sell fucking back issues anymore. I just remember when I started reading like the current issues. Yeah. That's when McFarlane was starting yeah. to come around. I started reading right before McFarlane. Yeah, me too. When so uh, at the, the same time. So I started reading when Peter and Mary Jane were getting married. He had proposed to her. Like it was just right. after gang war and he asked her uh to marry him and she said yes. And I remember distinctly buying that at the like the 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 shop. I remember this this is a funny memory that I have from comic book collecting is that as soon as I found out what the Marvel Universe handbook was, yeah. I had to have every issue. Yes. Of it I wanted to know. First of all, I was too lazy to read all the comics in the world. So if I just read the Marvel Universe handbook, I know everything. I know all the characters. I know what they did. I know who the fuck they hated, who they wanted to fight, what their powers were. So I got all of those. So then I was like, okay, it's time for me to fucking do the DC one. And DC's uh, handbook was so lame. It's, it can't be as, <laughs> as, as like the Marvel Universe no. handbook is amazing. That's it was so lame. Every and like characters the, in there. The minute I start reading the names, like Lightning Lad, and Aqua Lad, <laughs> Matter and, Eater Lad. Yeah, they were just terrible names. Look, man, DC does it first. Like, Marvel these does guys it are lame. And so I just became a Marvel guy, except for Batman. That yeah. was it. Like I would occasionally buy Superman every once in a while. Maybe get some Vertigo stuff when I got a little older. Yeah, um, yeah, this and that, but like I tried so hard to get into DC, and it was just not working, dude. You know, the, not to make this a bash on DC, but I really think it hurts them. That number one, their characters, a lot of their characters are kind of lame. But number two, that it's just not, and they've been trying to do this more in the recent future. But the, their stories aren't set in 
places that we know. Like they're fictional yeah. cities. Yeah. Like, I think it really helped Marvel that they were this Spider-Man's in New York and all, you know, a lot of these characters are in places that you could actually f- go to and, and, and visit. That's, and they're yeah, drawing, yeah. C- you know, cityscapes that you could see that are actual real places. Whereas Mar, you know, DC was Gotham and Metropolis. Made up. And not made just up New York, but the specificity of like Peter Parker is from Queens. Right. You know, Matt Murdock is from Hell's Kitchen and it right. was just Stan writing what he knew uh, growing up in New York and it just grounded it. That's why it just, that's what attracts you to Marvel stories, to Marvel comic books. Yeah, it just was like, it just seemed to be more haphazard in the DC. It wasn't stitched together as well as Marvel. And then you realize that it's because of Stan Lee. You yeah. realize yep. because yep. one guy, one guy yep. was in charge. Had a vision. And I said, all these DC characters were, were all like made from different creators that were not even trying to make a shared universe at yep. the time. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Even though Marvel did it later, it was forged that way. Man. And that's why the continuity is better. That's why it makes more sense together. Well, Stan Lee's shit will live on forever. Uh, I got an iTunes review I want to share uh, from uh, his name is Samir, Sammy Jr. Oh, Sammy Jr. 16. Thought it was. You just wanted his name to be Samir. Samir. I thought it was something like Arab name. No, it's Sammy Jr. Although a lot of Arab guys will be like, call me Sammy. I'm your friend. Okay, my friend. My name is Sim. Uh, he says, love your show, guys. Been listening since around the summer, since I've been getting bored at work. Love how Anthony points out how Imran either agrees with or likes everything, despite it being bad. It's true. You got Someone's got to do that. Rugboy is also enjoying to have on the show. I mean, what other show has a puppet that watches movies and TV on its free time? None. And also, if you guys happen to read this, what are y'all's thoughts on this Netflix series called Agretsuko? Sounds like a complete waste of time. Agretsuko. It's a 10-episode <laughs> series, each 10 to 15 minutes each. So it's a quick watch. It's all about a millennial who doesn't like her job and deals with it secretly singing death metal at a karaoke place after work. It's a lot more interesting than I'm making it, though. Thanks, <laughs> and keep up the good work, guys. So it's a it's an anime, 15-minute anime. It's too hip for me. It's like really stylized, cutesy drawings of this cat agatsuko i mean i might check it out just because he thinks it's it's cool, 15 but. 10 to 15 minutes i may uh give it a go but thanks for the recommendation uh samir i mean sammy jr but you i know you're really samir come on let's thanks just for the review uh i don't i haven't checked out this cartoon but i mean i'm game for anything yeah so i'll check it out. i appreciate that he appreciates me hating on imran <laughs> Somebody when, imran's has ass, when, yes. in, when imran's an agreeable idiot <laughs> Somebody has to. This is what makes the show great is our dynamic. Yeah. Uh, Louis yeah. Paz checking in with his thoughts on uh, the Stan Lee. What's up, guys? It's Louis. It's Monday. Uh, I just found out that Stan Smiling Lee has just died. 95 years old. And well, shit, dude. I just wanted to say some stuff. Because this guy, you know, is responsible for a lot of shit that we know and love today. And fuck, who would ever thought, you know, your childhood shit, the characters that, you know, he helped co-create, create everybody he collaborated with to create these stories of all these characters that, you know, we love near and dear. Um, who would have ever thought that it'd become what it is today um, from the comic book pages that we became fans of? to the cartoon series that, you know, we loved a lot, um, to now movies and, you know, blockbuster and leading the industry, who would have thought, um, you know, so I just wanted to say, you know, that's amazing and shit, man, 
you, you lived as you lived longer than I thought, man, than I thought he was going to live. So Excelsior. Nice. <laughs> nice. Thanks for your thoughts, Lewis. Yeah, man. Video games and now video games and movies and like it's never going to end. Everything. Amazing output. Uh, finally. I'm not even going to tell you who this is. Just play it. What's up, Jock and Nerd Nation? Matthew James back again. The Speak Pipe <laughs> King just got out of the girl trapped in the spider's web. I've read every single book in the series. I know everything there is to know about the character Elizabeth Salander. She's a badass female protagonist. One of my favorite, for sure. Overall, the movie was pretty cool. I think there's some disconnect going on with the American audience because this book uh, franchise is based in Sweden. Definitely changed some things from the book. It had its action scenes. It checked every box on the list. Uh, there's a badass scene where one of the characters is using a sniper rifle hooked up to a computer and he's using the cameras inside the house that he's sniping into to track the people inside. It's pretty awesome. Anyways, go check this movie out and read the books because they're amazing. Uh, I watched the Detective Pikachu trailer that just dropped recently and that movie looks pretty awesome. Every Pokemon fan in the world, biggest fantasy is to see Pokemon in the real world. So this movie looks pretty cool. I'm excited to see it. Uh, Last but not least, Rip Stanley. Saw that he died. Didn't know the guy, but he seemed pretty cool to me. Uh, also watched the People's Choice Award and Marvel freaking cleaned up. They won Best Action Movie, Best Overall Movie with Avengers. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, anyways, let's start. Hashtag Skin Yamaka. Let's get that trending. Uh, and every time I say this show sucks, Anthony laughs. So you guys suck. You guys are horrible. I don't know why I listen to the show. Anyways, keep it up. See you later. Bye. The uh, People's Choice Award is interesting because I remember... He does listen to the show. He does listen. He gets he gets all of it. And is, you are right. Uh, who's enabling who now? Anthony laughs every time he says the show sucks. It's you. But it is, Anthony, it's, it's your fault. It's my fault. Yes, I'm I moving created the monster That's known right. as... Maddie J, the Speak Pipe King. That's it. Can somebody dethrone the self-proclaimed Speak Pipe King? That is my mission to yeah, you. Yeah, let's throw down a gauntlet. Like Listener. Matt Miller's been like uh, has a residency on this. Uh, somebody needs to take him down. the nation for like weeks. Somebody needs to take him down. Uh, but regarding the the People's Choice Awards, I saw Marvel's also pushing Avengers: Infinity War for like ten Oscars, as well as Black Panther. Really? Uh, yeah, they're gonna make it a great. It's the usual like uh, cinematography. But, uh, creative uh, like effects and costuming and uh, visual effects, but I think they're going for like best director and maybe best screenplay or some shit. I don't know. They're uh, they're being aggressive. We'll see what happens. Anthony, uh, felty league update? Yes or no? No, let's fuck it. This well, <laughs> shit. I suck. I- I'll tell my the felty league update is I stink at. Wait, I like to play football. the music though. All right. The National Felty League update. Anthony sucks. He's losing. That's it. I suck. Um, right now, Fel, uh, Roberto Rivera and Chaz Hubbard are tied at seven and three uh, in the Marvel division. Matthew Lawrence and Joe, formerly from work, are both also seven and three. So, very in the DC good. division. So, there you go. When will this be over? Soon? Uh, not <laughs> soon enough. Damn it. Anthony's getting nothing. Uh, and then finally, shout out to our uh, pod buddies. Jason Dutch and TJ Johnson, because on Monday when Stan Lee died, uh, Jason reached out to me. He's like, Hey, you want to do a quick emergency podcast with us about this? And I was like, yes, I need to process these thoughts. I would love to. So they put out bonus remembering Stan Lee episode with me as guest. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to hear that, uh, rugs, where can the people find you online? What are you doing? Anything interesting? Nope. I'm just on Twitter. Alrighty. I'm not even doing much, but if you want to follow me, go to Really Rug Boy at Twitter. And he's in our awesome Facebook group. Listener, again, help us grow. We got 
Uh, Cyber Monday and Black Friday coming up this week. Buy a Jock and Nerd t-shirt and give us some free advertising. Wear it out. Give it to as a gift. Yeah, what, yeah give it as a gift. Just hand out pictures of Rug Boy. See, listen. Yes. Give the guy this shirt and go, listen to this. <laughs> go to this website. And then grab his phone, subscribe him, uh, and then yeah. give him the shirt. Uh, so jockandnerd.com slash shop during the, uh, the racist Black Friday and the even more racist Cyber Monday. I think that's more racist. Uh, there will be store-wide sales. And of course, tell a friend, share the show, help us spread the geekery, grow this empire of stupidity. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. We will hear you next time. My balls were caught. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Talking nerd! <laughs>